So for our time of, uh, of community prayers tonight and testimonies, uh, we are going to uh, invite Miss Chetta to come up. Miss Chetta. Miss Chetta is going to come up. Uh, uh, for those of you who are not familiar with Miss Chetta, oh, look at you. Wow, oh. God bless you. Miss um, Chetta has just an, an unbelievable um, energy and spirit around sharing the good news of Jesus with other people, but not just sharing like the words of it, but allowing um, people to really enter into her story and to really pray for the power of God to be present and whatever it is that's, uh, that, that the power of God is needed for in that person's life. Um, and so a, a lot of you may not know this particular thing. About six months ago, we really asked Miss Chetta to go out um, into our neighborhood um, a couple of times a week. So between usually like six and 10 hours a week, Miss Chetta is going out and she's not only bringing out care packs, but she's being really, really intentional in the conversations that she has with people and really inviting the Holy Spirit um, to be present and to be really powerfully um, uh, there in terms of healing. And so she has seen some really, really cool things happen in the last six months. And so what we wanted to do is to actually invite her to take um, about five minutes and to share what the Lord has been doing in her and through her in these last uh, six months or so. I know God's obviously been working much longer than that. Um, and you've got a, a testimony written up. So if you could share that, and then we'd love to just have a chance to pray for you as you continue to really be a witness to Jesus in our neighborhood. It's all you know. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Doug. And um, I have a scripture that needs to be on the overhead. Um, If you turn to your Bibles to Luke 24, uh, 45 through 49 verses. And this is where Jesus appears to his disciples. And if you don't have your Bibles, you can read it up on the overhead. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scripture. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. I am clothed from the power on high. Do you believe this? I know you know this. Because of my fervent prayers, Jesus gave me this purpose, this vision and mission as a deaconess of EEF's outreach ministry. Amen? I fully expected a radical change in this community. And it has come to pass. Souls are being saved, and guess what? Say what? What? <laughs> What's received from God when spoken into existence manifests itself and is revealed. I prayed many days and nights and a lot of days with people in this neighborhood and community. We honored Jesus. I intercede with others. I stood in prayer gaps, loved on others in my brokenness. I'm not perfect by no means. I'm a sinner too. Broke down just like them and just like you. Let me tell you my story. 
Pastor Don prophesied to me 10 years ago when I joined EEF, which was beautiful, telling me, quote, you will go into places no one is as equipped as you to go into. You will deliver the good news to many, unquote. 10 years ago, and now it has come to pass. And I think that is beautiful. Give a hand clap to our pastor for that. He saw a new creature in me, saved, blessed, and on fire for Jesus. It came to pass six months ago, what a mighty God that we serve. Because angels bow down before him, then the rocks cry out to him. And we worship and praise him with songs, clapping, hallelujahs, and thank yous. Amen? Amen. Then Pastor Pastor Doug met with me told me that the pastors and the elders and our secretary, Toya, discussed many evangelism, uh, discussed how my evangelism has impacted this community with the prayer and care packs that I was originally doing myself. And they wanted me on board, and I agreed, and of course I cried. And I praised God because this was really the vision that, and the purpose that I um, am standing here for in, in his name. Because of the feeding here at EEF, they have fed me, and I have evangelized, and the Lord spoke to me. This is my, this is my purpose in my walk with Jesus. Amen? I'm more than a conqueror. I ask God to use me in a mighty way, because no weapon formed against me shall prosper in his name. I have, through Jesus Christ, become a better friend, a prayer warrior, a listener, Excellent grandmother, Miss Chad, of course, and now I am the prayer woman in the neighborhood. That's what they call me. <laughs> I serve a mighty God because he sits up high and he looks down low with mercy, fulfilling desires, and definitely providing all our needs. Can I get an amen? amen. Jesus is with me in this journey. He talks to me. He talks through me. I pray before I go out there. I stay prayed up because there are a lot of non-believers. And I allow the Holy Spirit, which is the fruit. And, and uh, Aaron, um, Aaron was just talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And also um, Casey. And I speak the truth to my brothers and sisters. I don't see them. I see their hearts, not their outermost appearance. I have humility. I'm transparent. Something I guess I had never had, and now I do have. Thank you, Jesus. All my life, I never stopped loving my father. I kept on praising. I kept on singing. I kept on talking. I kept on walking. I kept on shouting. I kept on giving. I kept on praying. I have been redeemed. I am sold out. My mind is completely made up because can't nobody do me like Jesus. Do you know that? Can't nobody. When the doctor said, yes, you have cancer, not one, but two. And my father says, no. My father performed a miracle in me and on me. He removed that old, dirty, nasty cell. Not one cell, but a couple of them. 
And I'm cancer free today as I stand here and speak to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But when I was homeless, you didn't know that, did you? I was penniless. You didn't know that, did you? I was jobless. All my friends and my family, they turned their backs on me. They gave me tough love. But my father stepped right in and he gave me unspeakable joy. I have a testimony, yes. One that will give you hope to the hopeless and peace to the weary and love to the unloved. I am not judgmental today because of my experiences. I am redeemed. I am recovered. I have been through so many things. But I know that I know that I know that when I came through those doors of EEF and the members stood in gaps for me here, you know who you are, gaps of encouragement, love, respect, donations, prayers, honor, tears. Glory be to God for this church. Y'all should clap on that because they did. And you're still doing it. And God let me hear in these seasons. Seasons of love relationships. And guess what? What? (laughs) I testify to you about the goodness of our Lord with the care packs. I testify, remember? And y'all, that we should bless others in our community. Sowing seeds with donations. And your donations delivered souls with the prayers. You delivered gifts of love. And you are still being obedient with these seed sowing blessings. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much in the name of Jesus. And continue to do that. I must say, six months of pressing in the word, sowing seeds, praying and transporting souls to EEF. Handing out daily breads, EEF cards, making baked spaghetti, I must say, and fulfilling God's purpose in my life is very energizing. It keeps me energized, rejoicing, crying tears of joy, and building relationships. Relationships in Christ. And that's what God did with Adam and Eve. He built a relationship of love because that's how we are supposed to be. In a relationship of love, not hate. I know this. Believe you in me. God will continue granting me serenity. Because I believe in a serenity prayer. Wisdom and choices that line up with my life in his word. He never leaves or forsakes me. As I walk through the darkness and the wilderness of this world, I am not alone. Glory to God in the highs. He makes beautiful things. He has shown me myself many times in this walk, and I am truly grateful for being delivered out of the snare of that nasty lion named Satan. Lord, have mercy on my soul. Continue praying for me in this season of worshiping, walking, and working, sharing the good news. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. Now, we're supposed to have on the overhead some praises 
and miracles. Y'all seen it? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Amen. Uh, will you all stretch your hands out as we pray for Miss Chetta? Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you have done in Miss Chetta's life. We thank you for uh, the way that you used Pastor John 10 years ago, the way that you used him to speak. Um, a, a fresh vision into her life. We thank you for how she, your Holy Spirit allowed her to join in what it is that was birthed in her life, that she has seen the fruit of what it is that he was able to see. Lord, we pray that in these, just what has happened in these last six months as she's been out in the neighborhood, we just pray that this is a first fruit. Uh, we pray that there would be much, much more that you want to do, that you would um, give us Uh, more than we could hope or dream or imagine. Lord, we ask for power from on high in the name of Jesus to be given to Miss Chetta. We ask that you would increase her faith. Even as she has been obedient, we ask for more. Lord, we ask that you would draw her closer to yourself, um, that in the midst of all the ways that you are using Miss Chetta and doing things through her, uh, but it, it, we ask, Father, that it would never be at the sacrifice of doing things in her. So, Lord, we thank you for this, this daughter. We thank you for the way in which she is a big sister to many of us in this room. And the way in which you are making this spiritual family and crafting it in the likeness of Jesus. So we pray just in an abundant blessing in her life. Ask that there would be many, many, many more times that she would get to testify to your goodness and your grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, how you doing? My name is David Bailey. Um, One of the elders here, but I also... um, lead an organization called Arabon, and we partner with Eastern Fellowship to do the Urban Songwriting Internship. That's good. So if you see um, this group right here, uh, there's five. Um, we have six total, but up on stage, we're going to do a song uh, that was written called Worthy, um, and just, it seems like the Spirit just has us uh, talking about outreach, uh, evangelism, bringing people into the kingdom today. And so listen to the words. This is um, based out of scriptures off of the banquet feast. Um, And so listen to the song um, that they're going to share. darkness, but God sees your struggle. To the homeless out on the street, God calls you in and out of defeat. Sisters and brothers are your 
talking about. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, can y'all give them another round of applause? Somebody was reading their Bibles. Thank y'all so much for coming today uh, here at East End Fellowship. Um, thank you for the folks that are part of the community that uh, chose to be here. And then we have some visitors. My name is David Bailey. Again, I'm one of the elders uh, here at the church. And, you know, um, what we're trying to do as a church is a difficult thing to do. I feel like every time I come up here, I say that. It's a, a difficult thing to do. And the reason why is uh, I say this is because we need to know. We need to know it takes the power of God to do this. One of the areas that um, is difficult is because we're really trying not to be a church that grows through exchange of memberships. See, what, truth be told, like the way a lot of churches grow is that we get, um, 
there's a new church that rises up and you become that new church. And then after a while, you get about 10 years old and you become not so new anymore. And then um, people go somewhere else and you end up getting other folks that get disgruntled with that other church. And that's honestly how a lot of church growth happens. But what we said in our vision statement that we want to be a place for every, what? Man, woman, and child. And we said the whole gospel to the what? Whole neighborhood. So even though everybody that's a part of this church doesn't necessarily live in Churchill uh, or, or, or the east end of Richmond, many of us do, but we feel like God's called us, whether you have residence here or not, to bring the whole gospel to the whole community for every man, woman, and child. And you know what? That's a lot harder than changing church memberships. So, when I was thinking about this, um, when Doug asked me to speak this week, and I heard that Miss Cheddar was going to be preaching today, I began to realize this, that you got two kind of churches. You got some churches that um, they oftentimes exist to keep the church members happy. And I want to call that a cruise ship church. We got some cruise ship type of Christianity where we exist to kind of decide on what our cultural norms are and we keep everybody happy. But there's another kind of uh, church, what I want to call a rescue boat church. These are churches that understand that, um, yes, if you are a part of the kingdom of God, you have something to celebrate, but if you are not in the kingdom of God, there is something that you need to be rescued from. Can I get an amen on that? And it's a struggle to not want to be always on the cruise ship. You know, this is a struggle that happened ever since the fall of man. Um, I heard somebody say it this way. Everybody is tuned into one radio station. That's W-I-I-F-M. What's in it for me? And so ever since the fall, we have been uh, tuned into W-W-I-F. What's in it for me? And, 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 and we uh, like that cruise ship life. Well, you know, the children of Israel were like that. And Jesus came and he disrupted that. And he said, hey, he talked to some disciples and uh, the disciples uh, were expecting the Messiah. And he said, hey, the Messiah is here. So now it's time for that cruise ship life, right? But then he says, no, 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 no. That's what I want you to do. I want you to go to Jerusalem. I am going to give you uh, um, power both in Jerusalem. I want you to go to Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. I want you to become a rescue boat. Now, they got the spirit, they got the power, and in many ways, their mission was similar to the way it is at East End Fellowship. They were saying basically the whole gospel to the whole world. Uh, we're saying the whole gospel to the whole neighborhood. He says, um, uh, I'll give you power that, that you would speak to all nations. We say every man, woman, and child. It was very similar. And in the first day that the church got started in Acts 2, 3,000 people came. It was the hot new thing. But then guess what? By chapter 6, they started drifting towards the cruise ship again. See, what happened, there were some um, outsiders 
who, and there were some insiders. The insiders were um, widows who were from Jerusalem. And these widows who were from Jerusalem, uh, um, they would get taken care of, and the leftovers uh, would be given to those who were the outsiders, those people who worked for Jerusalem. So they had some kind of dispute over this. And uh, what the apostles uh, gathered and they led the whole church to say was, you know what, we, we need to kind of figure out a way of doing some um, equitable distribution so we can still be in the rescue boat business. You know, one of the things that is really common for us as humans is that we can oftentimes default to just take care of our own. And this could be so true as Christians. And I want to give some feedback that I'm ashamed to share as a leader here at East End Fellowship. I've heard people say it this way. They said, hey, when you're part of the East End Fellowship community, you are really, really a part of the East End Fellowship community. But if you're from the outside, it's hard to get on the inside. And I don't think it's because we see ourselves like a fraternity or sorority where we're trying to keep people out and people have to be hazed to come in or something of that nature. I just think that we just have a love fest with one another. We just say, you know, I love uh, Sister Florence and, 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 and we, hey, how you doing? And catching up. And I'm not paying attention who's the outsider. And so we got to begin to say, you know what? We are on a cruise ship. We are a rescue boat. And so how do we engage in this space? And, 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 you know, God is always about rescuing his people, and he's inviting the people of God to be part of that. And so what he does is when the early church starts to get into that rescue boat mentality, he allows a circumstance to happen. And what the circumstance that happened was in chapter 7 and 8, of the book of Acts was a, a time of persecution. And this is when they moved from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria. And today we're going to look at a text that is the first convert that reaches the rest of the world. It's the story of the Ethiopian eunuch where Philip shares with the Ethiopian eunuch and, and we're going to learn how do we be a rescue boat Christian. So all those who are able and body and spirit, if you would stand as we read the scriptures. We're going to read from Acts 8, 26 through 29. Now, angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And he started out on his way, and he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Canadach, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was uh, sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. I'll be preaching on the subject, are we a cruise ship or a rescue boat? Let us pray. Spirit, we know that you are calling all kinds of people to join in your great feast 
participate in the kingdom of God. We know that, the, that, that you want as many people as possible to experience the fullness of the kingdom of God. Lord, help us not to be cruise ship Christians. Help us not to be a cruise ship Christian community. Help us not to be a church that is trading members. But help us to be people that are bringing the outsider in. We thank you for all that you're doing. And just be with us in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So one of the things that we see in this text is that the Spirit told Philip to go to the chariot and stay near it. Now one of the things that you have to do in order not to be a cruise ship Christian and to be a rescue boat Christian is that you have to have an ear towards the Spirit. You know, one challenge about uh, many of us is that we don't even have an ear towards the Spirit for God to speak in our own life. And then, so part of maturity is, is knowing what the Spirit is or saying in your own life so that you know how to govern your life. But then there's another level of maturity where you need to know how to hear the Spirit, not only for what God's telling you, but how God wants you to interact with somebody else. And so this takes a, a bit of maturity to get some uh, um, hearing in your ears to be able to know what the Spirit is saying. And so like God told him, hey, I want you to go from Jerusalem to Gaza and I want you to find that way. But then he ended up saying, hey, I, I need you to wait and look out for this chariot. I've heard somebody say it this way. God has given us two ears and one mouth. One ear to listen to the person that you're talking to. Another one to hear what the Spirit is saying and one mouth to speak the word of the Lord. This takes maturity. If we're going to be a rescue boat Christians, we're going to need to know how to hear the Spirit. I noticed the first time you heard it um, because, you know, Pastor Don never says anything like that. And so, that's sarcasm, guys. (laughs) Pastor Don preaches this all the time. But here's another thing. You also have to have enough understanding of the word of God, not only for your life, but you need to be as versed in the word of God to be able to help and apply the word of God to other folks. This is something that has to be cultivated. This is something that doesn't happen overnight. This comes out of a lifestyle. And what's really fascinating about Philip is that Philip wasn't this like amazing um, person. I mean, if you go back to chapter six, it was like we had a meeting. And we said, hey, choose somebody among you that's wise and full of the Spirit. This was just like an average person that was sitting here, not a person that was naturally a church leader. And then in a matter of moments, they came to this point in time where the Spirit brought him to somebody that needed a word from God. I think there's some people that sit in this audience that think, hey, I'm not David. I'm not Pastor Don. I'm not Pastor Doug. I'm not Aaron. I'm not all these uh, different folks but God is saying, I need, you've been stirring up in the spirit for a minute. You have been uh, reading your word for a minute. And it's time for you to begin to get a word for somebody else. Because God is preparing somebody for you to speak and not for me to speak to them, but for you to speak to them. So we need to be positioned to be used by God. 
We got to be positioned to be used by God. And you do that by cultivating the ear to hear the spirit of God, cultivate an understanding of the word of God, not just for your own life, but for others. You got to have this coming out of the overflow. So one question you want to be asking yourself is, are you cultivating an ear to hear the spirit of God and a mind and heart to understand the spirit of God? If not, you might be a cruise ship Christian. If you want to be a rescue boat Christian, then you got to do something else. So here's a couple of things that we got to do. Let's look a little bit more into Philip's life and just kind of unpack what he did, um, some things that we can learn. There's three things that we can learn. One is, is that Philip, he teaches how to be a rescue boat Christian by doing this. He didn't let his cultural bias get in the way of who he talked to. Now, here's something that's really important. It's really important that when you read the Bible, that you don't read the Bible through a colorblind lens, and you also don't read the Bible through a whitewashed lens. See, this is really, really important because you might say, hey, why are we talking about, like, color and things of that nature? Well, that word Ethiopian is basically a word that means a black person. It's actually a Nubian tribe. It's not actually the Ethiopia of the country that we know now. Anybody who was an Ethiopian or a Kush or a Nubian, that was anybody in, in the kind of sub-Saharan Africa. So they, in essence, were saying there was this black eunuch that was a treasurer. And in essence, what they're saying to the writer is that this is somebody that's different than them. It's also important to understand that Philip, he was, yes, he was Jewish, but he was a Greek Jew. He was a person that uh, uh, was, yes, Jewish, but he was coming from a different cultural uh, background. And it's really important to understand that these are brown people and black people talking to one another. These aren't Eurocentric-looking folks. So he looks a little bit more like Ben Laden than he does Ronald Reagan. Okay? <laughs> it's important. Because then when we see somebody that looks like Ben Laden, we'd be like, oh, that's like what Philip was like in, most, in these disciples, and that's what... Oh, Jesus looked like that. That might change the way we interact with somebody. I'll get it to y'all for free. So, he could see from a distance that there was somebody that looked different than them. Y'all, we live in a gentrifying neighborhood. You can always see that there is somebody different than you. Some people walk like this. And other people walk like this. And I'm not saying who they are, but one might culturally feel a little awkward for you to come up and build a relationship with. No matter what background you come from, there is somebody that you need to be able to cross that bridge with. And you can't be scared to cross that bridge with that person. So if you're a person that gets intimidated when you, and you only want to share the good news with somebody that is culturally just like you, you might be a cruise boat Christian. If you want to be a rescue boat Christian, you got to get out of those cultural discomforts. Now here's another thing that's kind of fascinating. Um, he didn't let his socioeconomic status get in the way. Now see, we live in a neighborhood where people automatically assume 
if you're poor, you need Jesus. But what's really flipped around here is that you understand the culture going on here. The Ethiopian eunuch, he was a treasurer. He was like a high official person. He was in charge of the money. And so in this culture, most people actually walked around. And some people actually had an animal that they could ride, like a, a, a horse or a donkey or a camel or something of that nature. But if you had a chariot, like you were like balling. Like you would have been on like cribs or that might be like an old TV show. I don't even know what's out there now. But you would have uh, um, been blinging and all that kind of stuff. And so what the, it's kind of similar to the way it is in our own city. People who don't have cars tend to be in a lower socioeconomic space. You got to either walk or take the bus. A lot of people have cars, and you just, you know, you could have a car and just be making it. But if you have a limousine where you got somebody driving you, man, that's like, you like really, really doing it up. So what's happening, imagine that the Ethiopian eunuch is riding, he's like so financially well off that he has a convertible limousine. It's like a for real serious Jake. And so he's up back here chilling like this. And they're assuming at this time, they're only going about maybe at most 15, 20 miles an hour. And he's out here just reading the text. This is the passage of the eunuch was reading. He says, he was like a sheep to the slaughter. A lamb before its shearing is silent. So he did not open his mouth. And in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And see, in that culture back then, people didn't oftentimes read in silence. They either had, if you were wealthy, you would have somebody read for you. Or if you were a person that could read, you would just read out loud. And it was like, hey, I'm a person that could read. And so Philip heard him reading what was going on. And he actually knew what was going on in the book of Isaiah. I hope that somebody's reading the book of Isaiah. I hope y'all know what's going on. You got to read the whole Bible, not just the favorite verses. (laughs) So here's a couple things I want to unpack about this. Particularly if you're part of a lower socioeconomic space, don't be intimidated to talk to wealthy people. What they have to give, what you have to give to them is oftentimes things that they can't give to you. If you have never had to uh, uh, um, be hungry, then nobody could teach you anything about faith or how to get a daily bread. You have some stuff about faith to teach them. You have something about um, what is it like to, to, to walk with Jesus when you don't have any other kind of way to walk with Jesus. And there's, there is something that you have to give that they cannot give you. And money isn't the answer for everything. And matter of fact, we oftentimes have a bias towards people who are in a different socioeconomic space. And as a person that gets a chance to see people of different 
like really wealthy people and very poor people, I've actually found that some of the wealthiest people I know are some of the people that are the farthest away from God that I know. In our first uh, Urban Doxology tour we did, we had an opportunity to spend some time with uh, Beyonce's dad, Matthew Knowles. And because this is being recorded, I won't tell you about that interaction, but we were clearly seeing that that brother needs Jesus. It was, we had a sick feeling in our stomach, and he was nice to us that day. But then I thought, I know tons of people going to poor areas for missions. Who is going to his community for missions? How was he going to see Jesus? And maybe that might be one of you all sitting here that might be the person that God says, hey, I need you to go to this space because there's somebody like a Matthew Knowles that will be right in front of you. I got a word for them. Don't be intimidated by where God calls you and, and who God calls you to. Philip was not intimidated by that. And if you are a person that is in a, a higher socioeconomic space, have some humility. Don't be paternalistic. And know that you have something to give and to share. And, and, and God can use, and God does use people from wealthy spots and from poor spots. You don't have to necessarily have a match. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. So the other thing is that we want to see is that Philip was talking to a guy that was an Ethiopian eunuch. So, for those that might not understand what it means to be a eunuch, in this culture, they used to have um, queens. And they would have men that would take care of queens. And this is like a PG-13 text. And so, when they would have men that would take care of queens, um, they were concerned that men... Uh, would not control themselves and potentially could violate the women. And so what they said they would do is they, they would just cut off a body part that would mean they wouldn't violate, it wouldn't be possible to violate a woman. And so I don't know how Philip knew that. <laughs> so how's it going down there? Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how he knew that he was a eunuch, but five times in this text, it says that he was a eunuch. Hopefully it was by the Spirit. I don't know. <laughs> I just want to say I had like 10 jokes, and I was like, I had to get off of this. So... <laughs> But there actually is something that's real important here that we don't want to miss. Eunuchs were sexually marginalized people in their day. They were men that would look down on eunuchs because there were things that were missing. When you look at scripture, one of the things that you see, particularly in the New Testament, that people who are sexually marginalized are the ones that Christian communities are supposed to help bring in to be able to make a way to follow Jesus. And there are some of us that get grossed out with people that don't fit sexual social norms. 
But this is the thing. that We aren't supposed to be getting grossed out over that. What we're supposed to do is to bring people to Jesus because we're supposed to understand what is the spirit at work in their life because God is at work and can be at work in their life, but we need to know what's going on and what is the word that they need to help them. And it might not be the six verses of scripture. Some people might be thinking, and this could be true, this could be applicable to the LGBT community, and I want to name that, but it also could be the T-H-O-T community, the thought community. And so, like, in every community, that young people's vernacular for that hoe over there. In every community, you think about it, there could be somebody that could be, this isn't necessarily about sexual desire, but there are some people that could be promiscuous. And there's a story that's there in their lives, and they might need somebody that won't shame them, that will come alongside them and say, hey, tell me about who you are, what's going on, and what, in essence, what is God doing in their life? And I really want to encourage, particularly young people in high school and and just out of school and things of that nature, don't make fun of those people. Don't do that. Because God could use you to bring them closer to Jesus. Now, I think in our community, we got two kinds of folks that are here. We got some folks that might get grossed out and the other people that might be super comfortable. But even with the people that might be super comfortable with people that are sexually marginalized, the question that I have for you is, are you still bringing them to Jesus through the scriptures? It's not enough just to be accepting of people. That should be a start. Any kind of Christian, that should be a start. But the question is, is that are we bringing people closer to Jesus through the scriptures? And we need to be people of the scriptures in order to do that. Can I get an amen on that one? So we got three kinds of folks. We, got, we need to cross cultural boundaries. We need to cross socioeconomic boundaries. We need to make a place uh, um, and, and for people who are dealing with sexual marginalization. And why is this important? It's important because in verse 34 and 35, it says, the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about himself? Or is it someone else? Then Philip began with a very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And even in the verse before that, he said that when Philip asked him, hey, do you understand what you're reading? He was like, How else will I know unless somebody tells me? We got to be people. We can't assume that folks know because they might not know. And it's on us to be people to help share and to walk alongside. We got to get in whoever's charity that it is. It might not be a wealthy person's charity. It might um, be getting on the bus with somebody. It might be walking along somebody. It might be getting in somebody's car. It might be visiting somebody's house. Like the way uh, Sister Chetta, the way she, she does it. But whatever the case may be, Miss Chetta is teaching us something that we got to get into the chariot with other people. So, and the final thoughts... Here's something as a family what we got to do. We have to be whole gospel to whole community, every man, woman, and child. We could do community all day. We could do reconciliation all day. 
We can even do social justice all day, but if we aren't pointing people to Jesus, we are like clanging cymbals, and we aren't giving true love. And so let us be people that are bringing folks into the banquet table and not being a cruise ship church. Can I get an amen and let's pray. The band can go back up. Cool. Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak to us. To open our eyes up and our ears up to hear what the spirit is saying. Not only just for our own survival, but for the sake of others. Help us to read the Bible, not only for our own survival, but for the sake of others also. I pray, Lord, that you would um, help us not to be a cruise ship church, but a, 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 a rescue boat church. There'll be times of feasting and there'll be times of a festival, times of joy. But we, we got to be people on mission, no matter what the cause. And Lord, I thank you that you gave us a ritual to do as often as we gather called communion. Where when we were outsiders, you died for us. Your body was broken for us. Your blood was shed for us. You gave everything for us. So, Lord, help us as we take communion today to think about this communion from a missional standpoint. As people need to be poured out for others. As people need to be broken for others. People that need to get into the chariot with others. Lord, help us to be the kind of church that, uh, that you want us to be represented here in the east end of Richmond. In this time, speak to each person's heart to help them know where they're on a continuum. Anybody with the gift of evangelism, I pray that you would call that out. I pray, Lord, if people who don't necessarily have the gift of evangelism, but, but, but we just know we're just called to be more faithful as a Christian, help us to take that next step of faithfulness. We thank you for all that you're doing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, on the night that Jesus was about to betray, be betrayed, by the people he was walking with for about three years. He took this bread, or took some bread, and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. And then he took a cup, and he took the wine, and he poured some wine, and he said, this is my blood shed for you. And he gave them a ritual to do. For 2,000 years, we've been doing this ritual to remind us that we were once outsiders. And Christ, through his sacrifice, brought us inside. Because this is what we're supposed to do 24-7, every day of the week. So we're reminded that as often as we're gathered, we should do this. So in this time, we're going to have um, people who are going to be um, prayer team and elders. You can get on the side, and uh, we'll have some time of prayer. If you want somebody to pray with you, you can 
pray, they could pray with you. If you're a person that might not know Jesus or be walking with Jesus, there's somebody that can come and share, hey, this is what it's like to be a disciple of Jesus. If you're a person that um, just, you're not quite there yet, somebody could just pray with you. This right here is for believers that said, hey, you know, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm not perfect, and this is why I need to come to this table as often as I can. So as the worship team sings, we're going to form one line here and another line here. And you are also able to come and sit and pray at this front. Servers, if you could come on up.
for my God passed over me. I'm alive today, my sins are raised for the blood has covered me. We say, are you covered? Are you covered? For my God passed over me. I'm alive today, my sins are raised for the blood has covered me. Salvation, salvation. Jesus bled and died for me. I'm alive today, my sins erased for the blood has covered me. For the blood has covered me. For the blood has covered me.
Chairs. Amen. We repay you. 